Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, we are live. HF Pod. Um, I'm RJ. I'm here with Megan and our special guest, Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. Hey. Nice, hey, to, Lindsay. nice to have you back. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm so glad you could come today. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> totally. We are we are at the actual, um, twin, I guess we're around the 22nd anniversary of, of the shows we're going to be talking about, um, a, day, a day off, but 22 years ago, it's pretty wild. Gosh, I was only like five then. I can't barely remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was such a baby then. <laughs> it's so crazy. You were crazy. one of those kids that got brought to the show, right? You were <laughs> yeah. a child there. Totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hope you remember it. Um, so we're going to talk about the Shoreline 2000 shows, the last two shows of Fish 1.0. Uh, it's pretty crazy 
that that was was that long ago. Um, I guess the well, the first thing before we get into it, um, I, I want to say we had a, an episode the other day about Farm Aid, uh, the '98 Farm Aid show, and that night, um, one of the people who watches, um, who comments a lot, Brian, he sent me an Instagram message. I can't believe that I didn't have this for the episode, but um, in one of the 2019 Trey Acoustic shows, he tells a story about what happened at Farm Aid, and I'll link to the to the YouTube video in the show notes. But I just want to summarize because it's pretty awesome that he. So you know, they ended up playing. He played with Neil Young, right? Neil Young came out with Fish, and then Woody Nelson, Willie Nelson came out, and um, Paul Schaefer, and it was just like a. You know, they played some songs, but apparently what happened earlier, the way Trey told it was that he was in Neil Young's, or at first he went to Woody, Woody, Willie Nelson's bus where Woody Harrelson and Willie Nelson were smoking a bunch of weed. And so <clears throat> Trey described himself as being like not being able to find the door to Willie Nelson's bus to get out of there because he, he had to like go practice for the show. And then he went to Neil Young's bus, which was next to it. And there were a bunch of people smoking a bunch of joints in there. And so he basically talks about this day at, at Farm Aid being completely like going from bus to bus with these legends where everyone's smoking joints. And that Neil Young and Fish practiced Powderfinger for the set that Fish played. And right before Neil Young went on to do his acoustic set, he said something to Trey to the effect of, um, I don't, I'm not really good at planning stuff, so we'll see how this goes. And then went out and played his solo set. And the first song he played in the solo set was Powderfinger, like the song that they were supposed to play together later. So then Trey thought that the whole thing was over. And then he said during their set, he like forgot it. He was like, I guess Neil Young's not playing with us. And there's the video of it, which I'm sure you guys have seen. Um, Trey described it as like, he just started hearing this other guitar that sounded like his guitar. And that Neil Young just kind of like heard the jam that was happening and just, came up on stage and started playing his extra languidoc and that's how it all started which is a pretty amazing story and i wish we had it for the episode on monday but i had to i had to share that and i'll put the, the link to the youtube video in the notes because it's just too good it's just too good that's amazing i remember hearing that story yeah that's so crazy if you see the video too you can see like trey looks surprised and they're like yeah. really close, like, oh, what's going on here? What's yeah. <laughs> I hadn't noticed I hadn't noticed that before, but that's like pretty, pretty amazing. Lindsay, you were at Farmid? Mm-hmm. I I was. I was. And I just remember it being really it was freezing. It was it was Chicago and maybe November or October, November. And yeah, we I think we thought that Fish was gonna play a bunch of songs and it was like five songs. So we were kind of like, oh. A little bit let down. Yeah. <laughs> and there is that awesome jam with Neil Young. And then like totally. And then Willie Nelson comes out and Paul Schaefer and they play a bunch of slow songs and it's sort of like it's pretty different from the vibe with, with Neil Young. It's pretty amazing. Um okay, well I just wanted to share that. And I should also say that Megan and I just recorded a bonus episode. So if you like what we're doing, um consider subscribing to Osiris premium on apple um if you go to apple and search for osiris you'll see it there it's 4.99 a month that supports us and keeps us going um okay so Lindsay, actually megan do you want to do an introduction of Lindsay real quick for the for the listeners before we get into it absolutely Lindsay is my friend and we met through a mutual friend that i've met kind of i'd say in the last like seven years we've become really really good friends my friend nina and 
we see a lot of shows together and she has always been telling me stories about Lindsay and I'm on the East coast and Lindsay lives out West. And so it's been a while for us to finally combine forces, but we were able to go to Atlantic city together. And so we spent those few days having an amazing time. And Lindsay is an unbelievable person to see fish with because she knows so much and she's always calling things and always catching teases that no one else catches. And she's just really good at holding down space too. So I would highly recommend that you see a show with Lindsay if you can. <laughs> wow. That is a good endorsement. That's amazing. Um, Thank you. Lindsay, how did you end up at the, at these shoreline shows at, on October 6th and 7th at the end of, uh, at the end of this first era? So it's really funny. So this was right after I graduated from college. And I would say the year that I saw the most fish shows was 1999. That was my senior year of college. And I was doing a little bit of research before today, trying to remember exactly when they announced that Shoreline was going to be the last show. And so I'm curious um, what you two know about this, because it seems like there's a little bit of conflicting information. i feel like I remember knowing that it was going to be the last one and that's why I decided to go. But then what I found was that they announced it in Vegas, maybe like um, solidifying that this was the last show, but gosh, it's a long time ago. I can't remember. Do you, do you guys remember? I mean, I know they announced it in relics that they were going to be taking a break and then, or not relics, I think entertainment weekly. I think Jonathan told me that. And then, um, yeah, they announced on Vegas that, but I think this tour, did people know that this tour was going to be the last one? I think, I think they did for a while. I think for a while. I don't know if mm-hmm. it was like very clear how long, but um, it. I do know that um, it was. You know the podcast we did with Trey Alive Again. Um, he said, and I don't know if you guys listened to it, but I mean, he said in there like we basically like could have ended at Big Cypress, and like yeah, you know maybe maybe we should have because like. And I think part of it was his own struggles. And, and he talked in the podcast about how when they came back for MSG at the end of 2002 and the Hampton shows at the beginning of 2003, that it was sort of like they thought they could come back on the road without any of the like, you know, uh, things behind the scenes bothering them. And then the first night of the MSG shows, it was all like back with like hundreds of people backstage and everything that, that they had left. So it seems like maybe they were trying to just like get away from it for a little while and then maybe come back. That's probably why it's like a little vague, but it, um, did it seem like it was like a little bit sudden Lindsay, when you were at these shows or, or, or you knew going into the shows. That's where I'm a little foggy on exactly what my memory was. (laughs) Um, Obviously, the night of the first show, we knew that those two shows were going to be the last ones. Um, You know, and so, but I just can't remember if I booked my flight knowing that this was the end or if, you know, if I had already decided to go to those shows. But either way, um, at that point, I really wanted, you know, it was kind of, you know, one of the things about one of the coolest things about being a fish fan, um, you know, for someone like us, someone who's been there for decades and since we're practically kids, um, is that we have an attachment to memories at certain times and certain eras of the band and certain points of our lives. And so for me, at this point, I had graduated from college that summer, um, you know, and then we had gone to Big Cypress and then I was just kind of super lost and confused. I mean, what am I going to do next? What is, you know, adult life going to look like and what is life without fish going to look like? And so there was absolutely no chance that I would have wanted to miss the final, like at the time, I mean, they said hiatus, but 
it was like a, like a knife to your throat. Like, Oh my gosh, fish is going away. And I, and I know that they pose it as a hiatus the entire time, but we all felt like it was the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that they probably weren't sure what was next either. Right. They're kind of famous for saying that there wasn't a plan. Like they didn't know how long it was going to take or how long they wanted to be off. I think they just felt done and, it seemed like that they weren't collaborating together and as much anymore and rehearsing and, you know, not just not feeling it anymore. And after big Cypress, it's kind of like, where do you go? I also think they were probably concerned about kind of petering out, you know, they were still pretty playing incredibly well. So I think that you kind of want to leave when you're playing well. Yeah. And it was, I mean, for me, the timing was actually kind of perfect because I had just finished college and I was like, okay, time to grow up, like stop, like, traveling around and following a band all summer every year it's time to get a job and you know kind of put that behind me which is ironic that I say that now because in my adult life I still love doing it (laughs) just in a little bit of a different way yeah yeah it's interesting there um and and Megan you saw some of these shows um just not not like some shows on this tour just not these shows no I didn't see any oh that was fall nine that was Mm -hmm. fall 99 yeah, I didn't see any. Yeah, I saw some 99 shows and then I didn't see Fish again for 10 years. Yeah, I was really kind of just disconnected. I mean, you know, for a fair amount of them, they were they were off. But I felt very, I felt like I needed to grow up too. I graduated college as well. I felt a little bit embarrassed about who I had been when I was super into Fish. And I made a lot of poor choices and I just felt like in order to grow up, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to, you know, try to be an actress and I'm going to not see fish and I'm going to kind of disconnect myself from that. And I also felt like I just wanted to be someone else. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really weird time for me because I was really disconnected from it. I would listen to it here and there, but I wasn't following the band like religiously anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird time for everybody, you know? Um, I guess when you, do you remember going into those shows, Lindsay, like the first night, the 10, six show, I mean, what was it like in the the parking lot, the going in? I mean, knowing that it's like the last two fish shows for a while, if not ever, is, is pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up in Ohio. So most of the shows that I saw um, up till this point were in the Midwest and on the East Coast. But I always wanted to go out West. You know, everybody was always talking about how the vibe was so different. So this was my first time at Shoreline. And, you know, there's a lot of history in that venue with the dead and, um, it was my first West coast show and it just felt different, but there was also this really tragic, eerie, sad vibe the whole weekend. Um, I don't remember the pre-show music on the first, like the second night is a little bit more memorable to me because it was the last one. And the pre-show music was the last time by the Rolling Stones. And then they played let it be. And I, the night before is a little foggier for me in terms of like the vibe going in. But, um, yeah, the whole weekend was just kind of sad. I mean, people were sad. It, it wasn't necessarily so celebratory. It was like, oh my gosh, it's going away. I'm so surprised they chose to do them out West. You know, it just seems so interesting that they wouldn't do these last shows out Which, East. I guess they really didn't see it as a goodbye, but yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that, it. maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't know that that was going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Maybe they really did decide that just a week or two before like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, maybe they just, yeah, the whole tour was already booked or something. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to yeah. think about though. Um, 
Well, let's talk about that first night because the, you know, the, there's, there's some interesting stuff that happens. Um, but you know, the, the show itself, there is this like, well, I guess it just seems like there's like a bittersweet vibe throughout the entire, throughout the entire show. But Megan, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on ten six or at least the, the first part of that show? I mean, I think that Karini Stash is a pretty power move opener. Like, I would love to see that opener today. I think that would kill. That would just be awesome. But yeah, there's just, I think there's some really good playing in this set. Um, Stash is really well played. I think Paige sounds amazing. Really, like, it's getting after it. And it's an interesting, I think the whole show is a really interesting set list. I mean, you've got Mellow Mood and then Maze, Moma Dance, Antelope. Like, that's just an interesting end to that set. I think this Boogie On is really great. It's got, like, a really great groove. It has that kind of, like, layered 2000 sound where they're, like, building kind of sand soundscapes, like, on top of each other a lot. Um, it just has, like, a real, to me, a real kind of, like, California vibe, this set. Like, it's just chill, mellow mood. They sound happy and relaxed. And, yeah, I think there's just that kind of dissonant sound to a lot of the songs, Um to me, the stash and the boogie on are kind of my highlights of the set. What about you, Lindsay? Yeah, I, I can't say that this is a show that I've gone back and listened to a lot until um, I was prepping for this, actually. Yeah. I listened to Ten Seven a few times because um, that's on Live Fish. And I, yeah. Um, so I've listened to that one. But going back and listening to this one, Obviously, it's not a soundboard recording, or at least the one I was listening to wasn't. So yeah. it just is kind of like the, like the lyrics just sound a little bit like the like listening to Trey. I was like, is that Trey? Like it almost didn't even sound like his voice. Um, also, just thinking about how young they were, I was having this crazy weird feeling that like they're in their thirties when they're playing this show. Yeah. And I don't go back and listen to a lot of older fish. I mean, I have like some staples from 97, 98, 99, but not, not 2000. I'm like thinking they're so much younger than us at this point. Um, or at least how I am right now. Um, the set list is really weird. Um, when I like, when I'm listening to the, like Megan, you talked a little bit about the first set, but going into the second set, a heavy things opener and then down with disease. It just feels like the placement is really yeah. strange. And then um, Spock's brain. I mean, that was exciting at the time um, and just really weird. But I think that that first night kind of got a little bit weird um, for at least the group of people that I was with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's for another podcast. <laughs> I think the down with disease, yeah. the down with disease is like a, it's a night that that's when it starts to get interesting just in terms of a, like the, the, the improv sounds pretty cool and, and down with disease and like into that, you know, th that, that part you're talking about is, is really good. Yeah. It kind of, yeah. it's kind of fast and then it gets a little blissful. I notice, And then it, and that goes back to rock and it was good. Um, I think more so than like a lot of the, like a lot of the show doesn't feel super fish jammy you know um it's yeah, like they were playing songs yeah and then like to bring in some of those slow songs in the second set um this is the last time um the in-law Josie Wales was played ever um and you know and much the, to the and, chagrin of a lot of people I know you know I do love that mm -hmm. I love that song yeah and then rift it comes next the placement is just really strange um yeah. you know and, and then like so then what's next uh cities i mean I'll, i always love cities yeah um 
and then sand that was the where it sounded really odd to me like i i think it's just because the the like the singing isn't coming through the soundboard and i'm not used to listening to these old audience <laughs> recordings but i'm like it sounded really off <laughs> I actually yeah. like the sand. I thought it was cool. Yeah. It had like a weird, like chill jam to it. Like that's when Trey was getting on the keyboards a lot yep. and doing jams. And he has like, um, yeah, he's doing kind of like a spacey sound. It sounds kind of cool. It's like very chill, very like laid back Slow. sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very mellow. I that and too. Then, yeah, he gets back on the guitar and it kind of amps back up. But yeah, I think that segue from Down with Disease into Spock's Brain is pretty cool. It's only the seventh time that song's ever been played. And then I think I think the sand is kind of the standout. I think it's interesting that he's choosing to play songs like Spock's Brain and Bold as Love that are, you know, definitely more rare, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. He's not trying to do like a greatest hits show, which he does kind of more the next night, I think. But yeah, God, this, just a weird show. Like and then Strange. to have Bob Weir sit in. Yeah. Is funny it's choice. Very strange. For, I mean, yeah. I, I do I, think. Go ahead, I think we expected it. I, I feel like we really? expected that. Um, yeah, being at Shoreline, I feel like there was talk of maybe someone to sit in for sure. It's so funny because they never do sit-ins and then like to do it right at the end. It's so funny. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a strange choice, I think, having someone sit in on your like second to last show. <laughs> which, yeah. which 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 could be your second to last show ever, you know. And someone who's so huge i mean that's that's not like a small sit-in that's like a big deal you know yeah. um, i do actually I mean, really like the encore though. <laughs> yeah it's fun i mean also he was younger bob weir was younger than all the guys in fish are now at this show so that's just something wow. interesting he's like 53 or something which is <laughs> just i mean it's wild it was just <laughs> it was so long wild. ago but i know Lindsay, to your point about the the <laughs> lyrics and the vocals i mean i do think that I think they were just tired. Like, I think that they were just exhausted. You know, there's obviously like a lot going on backstage and drugs and and all that, but I just think they were exhausted. I think like they ran out of steam post big Cypress. I think big Cypress was like the peak of everything. And then everything after that was just sort of like, not that the music was bad, but they were just, I think they were just run down. I think they were exhausted. It felt, it feels like they're kind of like, limping toward the finish line here, you know? Um, and I feel like the yeah, lyric, I, like the vocals kind of reflect that. Yeah. And I feel like it's one of those things where when you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve, kind of, if you're not feeling inspired to keep playing it, it's, it's hard to know what you're doing it for. I mean, the, the jam and the encore though, to your point, both of you, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. It's cool to hear, it's it's cool to hear them like exchanging guitar licks and all that. Um, and I think that's that's kind of like the peak of the show, which is sort of weird for like the second to last show. You know, I mean, the sand yeah. is really good because it kind of captures the sound of this of this era. But um, there's like not there's not that much else going on there except for this the encore. You know. Oh, I love hearing Trey playing on El Paso. That is just so beautiful and just reminds me of like how much I love when Trey plays the Grateful Dead. I'm like, yes, yes, this is perfect. Um, yeah, he sounds incredible on that. And in Chalk Dust, it sounds cool. You can hear like Bobby coming through with like the rhythm guitar at points and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And West LA Fade Away, like such a fun song to hear them play and, and how they just, 
they just sound like they're kind of jamming in like a room together. They don't sound like they're like performing. It's very it's casual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. Um, the, the next night, I think there's, there's a, there's some highlights from the next night, but, but also just, it, you know, it is the, the final show before the hiatus, which is interesting. All right. We should get to that in a second, but first, um, Megan, do you want, do you want to talk about Sunset Lake CBD or do you want me to? I'd love to. Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or the young fish fan searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show at Shoreline. Perfect time to have some Hawaiian Haze and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers, and they have this amazing farm-to-table approach, so they are shipping their products directly from the farm to you, so it gets there really fast, and you're not paying a big markup, so I would definitely check them out today. I've become a huge CBD fan because of Sunset Lake, and I love their gummies. They have sleep gummies with melatonin now, and they also have regular gummies that are great if you're just like wanting to chill out but still want to be able to get some things done and hang out with people. and just feel like relaxed, but not high. So definitely check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use the coupon code HFPOD and you're going to get 20% off all your products. Amazing. Thanks, Megan. Um, okay. So Lindsay, Lindsay, what about the second night? Um, you know, getting there, going in, what was that like based on, based on what you remember? Yeah, um, kind of what I was saying earlier is it was really sad. Um, and you could tell that every everybody just kind of knew that this was the final show and the pre-show music was sad. And um I I don't like we had we had like we had a friend that got lost and never came to the second night. <laughs> he ended up getting found a few weeks later, but um crazy. How many were you yeah. in a big group or we were we did. We had a huge group and we like going into the show, we we had one of our friends' tickets and we couldn't find him after the first night. And turned out that he had ended up like forgetting his name, going to the hospital, and nobody found him. We ended up go all going home um without him. But he turned out to be fine a couple weeks later. <laughs> um wow. so it was kind of like we were kind of in a weird space too, you know, we're like, okay, we can't find our friend. We have his ticket. He's not going into the show. This is the last show. He would never intentionally miss this last show. What happened to him? So that's kind of where I was at. Um but you know, and we were sad. I mean, I, I feel like I remember people coming up to me and I was maybe crying a little bit and they're like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, it's just a band. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard. I mean, that's the thing about that. How do they play this show? You know, like, how do you stand up on stage and play this show? Like, I actually, I feel like they did an amazing job considering how much emotion they were probably feeling. Yeah. I mean, if, if Fish hadn't come back, man, it would be, I can't even imagine, like, I don't think it's just a band, <laughs> but I understand yeah. the point. <laughs> but I mean, I don't either. Yeah. They came back a couple more times, you know, the, um, but they did. It was a really like kind of a night and day show, I think, from the first night, though, just in terms of the playing and the and the energy. It, it's a it's a it's a really good show. Yeah, yeah for I sure. I, 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 I,
Sorry, Lindsay, oh, go ahead. You know, I agree. When I was listening to it, it kind of reminded me of some of the shows from this past summer in 2022, because it's just straight rock, you know? It's definitely mm. not these long extended jams, as we have kind of talked about after the Dicks run. Um, and it really kind of reminded me of, um, you know, kind of how they're they're playing now. Um, I, I It was more of a greatest hit show, for sure. You could kind of knew that a lot of those songs, like, of course, the, the mics, Wake Pog's coming and... Um, you know, bathtubs coming and yams coming. So um kind of knew that they were going to play all those songs, which makes the night before make a little bit more sense with such an odd mm-hmm. set list. Yeah. The, do, do you guys, I mean, what are your highlights from the first six? I think there's, I mean, just the first two Mike's groove combo is, is that's a pretty solid way to, to start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this Mike's groove is great. It's like just a great Mike's, Nothing like incredible, but just really well played, beautiful hydrogen, really energetic weak pog, like just a really nice classic Mike's groove. I like that in the first set in that spot, like it's a little different and kind of fun. And then the fee has like this really cool outro. It's like really beautiful. Fisherman's doing like really cool percussive stuff. And then the bathtub gin is is a great little jam. It's like the first time almost all weekend that they kind of get out there at all, besides the sand, maybe a little bit, but. Yeah, I agree. Super high energy. You can kind of just hear them playing their hearts out. Um, thinking, you know, this is the last time we're going to be on stage together for a while. And it, you can just feel that energy from all of the songs. And then um, aside from all the things that you just mentioned, Megan, then they play Glide. And it, it just, it was, you know, yeah. I, I, like it was obviously purposeful that they were playing that at that moment. Absolutely. And My Soul, like not my favorite song to hear, but you know, it's, it's a meaningful song. Yeah, the the second set is really sort of the same. I mean, ups and downs in terms of like the the gems and the and the the waiting in the bill of sea in the middle of that. And I, I hadn't like really connected the waiting and glide from this show with the waiting and the glide from Coventry until when I was listening to it today. And it was like, oh, yeah, like they did a better job of both those here, obviously, than they did yeah. at Coventry. <laughs> But to say the you least. know, that there's probably something in that at Coventry that kind of harkened back to these shows, you know, um, for them and and for and for the crowd. the 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 2001 Twist 2001 Tweezer though is it's pretty solid. I mean, the the Tweezer is really is really pretty. It's a pretty good Tweezer. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think that like the. The twist has like a somber feel to it too. And it kind of ends in these like space noises that like really do a nice segue into 2001. I, I, and this 2001 is great. You know, it's like just what you want. They have like a really long intro that's like really patient and groovy sounding. They just sound, they sound good to me. I really think the first three songs, they sound incredible. The tweezers, definitely my highlight. It's like spacey monster groove, really dark. It's it's really nice fading into waiting in the Velvet Sea too. This set's probably the strongest set of the of the week of the two shows, I would think. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I definitely agree. A lot of the notes that I um, took about it are a lot of the things that you just said. That I, you know, like that <laughs> slow um, intro, like the old twist intro that's really slow, kind of just getting started slow. Like, oh my gosh, this is the last set. And then I also love the long two thousand one intros, and um, I miss that so much. Uh, in some mm-hmm. of the newer, shorter two thousand ones. And yeah, I, I, again, um, in the tweezer, like 
you knew that was coming. Um, rocks, totally rocking. Like Mike's dropping some bombs. Like it gets a little weird. It reminded me a little bit of the bomb factory and then velvet sea. It like didn't have the significance of Coventry at that point, but it did have the significance of big Cypress. So with that velvet sea mm-hmm. and meat stick, that's kind of what that reminded me of that morning. Um, as the sun was rising kind of, um, that was just a few months before that, that the, that pair of those two songs together. Um, that's what that was at the time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I wonder like it's, I, I just, we've talked about this a bunch, but so forgive me, but I mean, is this like a, is it hard to get into it at this point? If you're, if you're there and you're like, kind of like, this is the last, this is the last time, or maybe it makes it more you know, easier to get into. Cause you're like, I gotta like really leave it all, leave it all out there. I don't know. What was it? What, what was that? What was that like for you, Lindsay, or the people around you or your friends? I mean, I think for the whole second set, it was, it was hard to get into. It was sad. It was, it was the end, but I think it was when they came back out for the encore and they played Yam, it was like, all right, we're going to, we're just going to dance our hearts out. Um, which was a little bit of a happier moment. Um, but yeah, the whole second set, I just remember feeling, just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad we're bringing our, our listeners some upbeat, upbeat <laughs> feelings today, but that is, that is kind of what the, this was all about. Um, but then they get like the meat stick. It's like, it's never going to not, they're never going to not be goofy, even in these moments where they're like, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's super emotional. Um, and that just, I don't know that that's, that's from the beginning, you know, but they, they've never, kind of lost that um which is it's kind of i don't know i think it's cool that they did that in the last the last show just something I mean, you know it kind of needed something. to right like like you can't let it be all sad or you know all contemplative like you you gotta lighten it up a little bit and the bow is pretty good it gets out there a little bit yeah it's got like a yeah. little mustard to it it's like 12 minutes yeah yeah and i think people have people on the on fish.net and the and the people who have kind of reviewed this show talked about the the encore the enjoy myself encore and that it was, it's a pretty solid solid version and the fact that it was like you know there's no no other way they they could have gone out no that was it and i love this version it's really good actually they sound they sound fantastic and the jam is great and this vocal jam is cool it's almost like gregorian chantish like it's like really kind of like tonal and it's not annoying or um you know you upsetting to listen to it's tolerable you can kind of tell that they don't want to end it you know it's like yeah, several times yeah. it's like maybe this is going to be the end no we're just going to mm-hmm. go a little bit longer <laughs> and then they just walk off the stage just like that <laughs> no I no know. words no no thanks no goodbye it's so no crazy see, right see <laughs> i remember yeah. reading in the fish book that they were saying that afterwards they went backstage and just were in like this room together alone, just kind of like reflecting. And that Brad Sands was like standing outside, not letting anybody in, even like family and just letting them have that moment. And I mean, 17 years is a really long time to do something with a few other people, like intimately and spend that much time together. Like I've been married, I think that long, it's a really long time. And I think that, you know, this is, this has had to be like super intense for them. And everybody just stood there. Like the lights came on and nobody left. It was, it was very eerie. I remember it so well. Um, you know, we just kind of all just stood there. <laughs> for was a there while. something like projected on, 
read somewhere that Kuroda put like all you need is love projected on the yeah on like you know on shoreline how um it's like a canopy and it's white and it was projected up there it was definitely emotional wow wow that's amazing um well i guess Lindsay, going back to these shows again for the first time in in a while what what are your reflections on it or what what are your takeaways from just from listening back to these these two shows I definitely don't think that these are shows that you are going to like necessarily pop up when you're going to go for a run. Um, it's just that met, like it's, this is the thing about being a fish fan for so many years. Like when you hear the, when you hear certain shows from a certain time in your life, it really transports you back to where you were then. And this one really does that for me in a very strange way. Um, just what was going, like I said, like what was going on in my life back then and just feeling so darn lucky that we, like that they came back. And I mean, the 2.0 era, there was a lot of great music, but having been there and been there in the beginning and then being there now, those middle years were, you know, kind of rocky in a lot of ways for the band and for their health and, um, yeah, it's just it's been an interesting an interesting run of 30 years of being a fan of this band and thinking back to this time. It's it's just it really gives me weird memories. RJ, did you see any of these sense. shows? No, no, I didn't. I don't think I saw I'm trying to think if I saw any shows in 2000. I'm I'm not sure that I did. I might not have seen I must have seen something in 2000, but I did not see these shows. Um mm-hmm. I wonder what, hold on, I'm going to find out. Did you, did you see, that was when you took. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen any. I didn't see any that whole year. I saw one of the Radio City shows in Mm -hmm. May. um, And that was, that was it. That's like the last show I saw until, until 2003, which is just, that's pretty wild. Definitely didn't know at the time in 2000 that it was going to be three years, but um, that was, that was pretty wild. That was that was so strange, and and two like you know, even more strange in in yeah. a lot of ways. I think you know, and it just seemed like it just seemed like a really weird weird time for them. But a lot of those shows, I do feel like, um, at least for me, like sometimes I do go back and listen to them, and the, the, some of those jams are really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but these shoreline shows. I don't feel like it's it's necessarily two shows that I would put on and listen to again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think the the gratitude for the fact that that fish came back is is definitely the you know the overwhelming feeling I had listening to this. Um, same thing with like the you know listening to the '09 shows or whatever you know like wow there it's like it's pretty cool that they they are back. Um, and 2000 was sort of like they did this this tour. It was basically a month. It was from, you know, early September through these shows. And um, I don't know that they ever really like hit a stride there. I think they I think they were just kind of like, you know, getting to getting to the end. Um, it's kind of intense because I like earlier in the year, the there was some, you know, there were the the japan shows that were really good and it seemed mm-hmm. like being being out in in japan like they they were they were hitting some different area of creativity that um i think when they came back to the 
to the States, some of the, the summer shows are good, but I feel like by fall, like I said earlier, I think they just kind of like hit a wall. I feel like it was just like exhaustion from, you said 17 years of, of touring constantly. I mean, who wouldn't be exhausted? I'm exhausted after like one day of going to a concert, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also think that like the, they had changed a lot as far as like, they were kind of a bigger band, you know, in, they were in like, people knew about them, you know, they had like their last two albums, like I think entered the billboard top 10 charts when they were released, you know, they had the biggest concert of the millennium, you know, they're, they're, they're on the cover of magazines, you know, they're becoming kind of a bigger band, but they're feeling less creative. And that's kind of a, a scary place to be, I think for them, because I feel like that's never what they wanted to be. And so I think when you see them going to Japan and having better shows and just playing interesting music, it's because they're not tethered to those, you know, things that they had here. They could play smaller places, smaller venues, smaller festivals, and and not feel this pressure to be this giant rock band. All guesses, but that's just what I Yeah, and I think they talked about, like, you know, going to do other things and spending time with family and all that, and that's that's great. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that is, like, that's a good reason to take a break, you know, but but it also – Man, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that we like. I don't know that we're gonna keep going back to these these shows with <laughs> the way that these shows ended. Just the last like, you know, few weeks. It, I just think they kind of ran out of gas. But, um, yeah. I, would you guys go back to these jams from from the second night? I think listening to the second night in context and thinking about what it means historically is cool. Like, I actually really like listening to it today and thinking about you know, where they were and, and how they were feeling and thinking about the fact that like they're back and, you know, 21 years later, they play a summer and a fall tour, you know, the the fall tour of last year was just unbelievable. And like the fact that they can do that 21 years later is cool. When you listen to this music 21 years earlier, like I like listening to it, thinking about the historical context. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, for me, I always like to listen to shows that I went to, even if it's been a really long time. Um, so that's fun. But uh, and you know, I was also thinking RJ a minute ago when you were saying like that they came back. It seemed like they came right back, or it seemed like a long time before they came back. I feel the opposite. I felt like they came back a lot sooner than I thought they would at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. um, for 2.0. I think that yeah. in my head. after the shoreline show i thought it would be a long time if they ever did um come back so it it was only just a little bit over two years because they came back on the last day of 2002 right so yeah 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 uh, yeah it it felt like oh wow they're already coming back i thought that i thought this was done (laughs) yeah it seems like like, maybe they weren't ready to come back either yeah no but they also like weren't ready to stop they just Yeah. yeah I mean, I think the the stories that Trey told in Alive Again, like I mentioned earlier about coming back, it seemed like it just like it was exactly what they had left, you know, which I think was particularly for him, but probably for all of them was was getting a little a little much, you know, in terms of the scene and the all the people backstage and all that um, seemed like that was like. That's what they were trying to take a break from. And I don't think, I don't think it really worked. Yeah. Cause two years is not a long time. And also like to set up a whole new system for how you're going to like run a tour and run a backstage. It, it takes a lot of intentionality. And I don't think any of them were at that point where they were ready to do that yet. You know, I think yeah. Trey had to go through a lot personally to get there. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Lindsay, thanks for joining us and and talking through some of these memories. I mean, it's interesting to go down this go down this path again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely interesting to think about this time in our lives and in the band and thing. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Lindsay, when are you seeing your next fish shows? As far as you know, uh, Mexico. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I went the first year and I haven't been back since, but I'm ready to do it again. That is great. I'll see you there. Yeah. We should, we should awesome. we'll hang out. For sure. It's the best. It's the best. That's it. See, we're going to end on a, end on a happy note. Yeah. yeah. And I'll uh, be there too. It'll be my first Mexico. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yay. It's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be so fun. Um, all right. Well, we're going to be back on Monday. Um, I think we'll be back on Monday. That's the next time we're back, right? That's how we do yeah, this. Yeah, we're definitely going to yeah. be back. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday. We're not going to take a two-year hiatus. Don't worry. Mm-mm. Actually, we kind of already did that once, and then we came back. <laughs> You're just like we kind of did that. Oh, yeah, we kind of did that. Fish. We were like, <laughs> HF Pod's going away, and they're like, actually, we'll be back. Um, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna go to to nineteen fall ninety nine. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's gonna be um it's gonna be fun and um. Lindsay, thanks again for joining us. And and Megan, thank you. Yeah. And I want to say to anyone that wants to come on, I also think we were thinking about doing a revisit of some of the fall 2021 shows. So if you were at one of those shows and you want to come on the pod and talk about it, just reach out to us, send us a message, and um, we'll make that happen. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you. Leave us a review. And you know, thanks for supporting us. Um, All right. We'll see everybody soon. And Rafi from Facebook. See you in Mexico. Yeah. We'll see you there. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Numbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!